Thank you, Lee. You did not steal my thunder, at least not this week, because I am possibly going to preach on this passage uh, three times. This week, we'll look at the question, do you have a commendable faith? We'll see a great example of four men with a commendable faith. In fact, Jesus did commend their faith. And then next week we will see, we will ask the question, do you have a contemptible faith? We see an example of that from the Pharisees. And then this whole question that Lee raises about uh, your sins being forgiven, I anticipate might be a third sermon on this passage. Let's go to the Lord. Our Father and our God, as we open this, your word, I pray that you would work by your Spirit, work in our hearts, um, work through your Word, uh, grow our faith, give us an active faith that is willing to step out where we cannot see where our foot is going to land, because we are attempting to do... um, faith-filled things for you. Uh, you have said that, um, that we are to live our lives by faith. Lord, use this word, this passage in our lives today to help us to do so. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So have you heard about the guy who fell off a cliff, uh, but he managed to grab a limb on the way down? And so as he's hanging there with his feet dangling over the deep ravine, uh, he yelled out, Hello! Is anybody up there? And in response, he heard, Hello! I am here. I am the Lord. Do you trust me? And the man answered, Yes, Lord, I, I do trust you. I really trust you, but I can't hang on much longer. And the Lord replied, Well, that's all right. If you really trust me, you have nothing to worry about. I will save you. Just let go of the branch. The man paused for a moment, and then he called out, Is anyone else up there? Exercising our faith, sadly is usually our second option. We want to make sure that all the options within our power are exercised first. So I have a question for you. Is it really faith if we make faith our second option? I thought about this question at length. You know, I I know many times where I've... um, Chosen my own strength, my own wisdom, and then realized, oops, I should have trusted in the Lord. So I know that there are many Christians who sometimes make faith their second option. But if faith, if they do have a true faith, then it will be a repentant faith that will... um, recognize that the Lord should have been 
their object of trust uh, from the first. Uh, many Christians have a real faith, but is a juvenile, immature faith that looks to themselves first and then looks to the Lord later in embarrassed repentance. Our Lord Jesus is very interested in the growth of our faith. God has promised to facilitate in the growth of our faith. Uh, Jesus famously said in John 15, Every branch that does bear fruit, the Father prunes that it may bear more fruit. Pruning is a painful process. Uh, Sometimes, oftentimes, God will put a squeeze on our faith in order to cause it to grow. He squeezes us like some of us squeeze uh, our tube of toothpaste, you know, from the the bottom and we just kind of violently squeeze it until the, 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 um, the toothpaste comes out. But while God is squeezing us, instead of persevering, instead of keeping our eyes on Jesus, instead of letting go of our security branches in order to trust in God, we find ways around exercising our faith. Have you ever tried to press your finger down on a, uh, on a small piece of ice on the table? And as you press it down, uh, it immediately shoots across the table to another place. When God tries to grow our faith, and He places His finger down upon us, Like ice, we shoot off to another place to avoid the unease of trusting Him. We should acknowledge that trusting God can be exceptionally difficult. Remember what God said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22? Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. That's tough. Trusting God can sometimes feel like letting go of that limb after you have fallen off the cliff. This is a sermon about exercising faith. It's easy to have an intellectual faith without having an active faith. An intellectual faith does not move you to greater works than what you can do with your own smarts and your own strength. James in James chapter 2 talked about the difference between an intellectual faith and an active faith. And he said that the former is a false faith. So, do you have an active faith? Do you have a faith that you are putting into practice? Do you have a faith that is leading you into obedience to God? You know, an African impala can jump to a height of over 10 feet and cover a distance with their leaps of 30 feet. But I've read that these magnificent creatures can be kept in an enclosure 
um, in any zoo with only a three-foot-high wall. The animals will not jump if they cannot see where their feet will fall. Likewise, a purely intellectual faith will never step out in faith. And God wants us as individuals, God wants us as a church family to develop a faith that trusts what we cannot see. A faith that, that uh, frees us from the flimsy enclosures of fear, of secularism, and of, um, of laziness. An, an active and growing faith is the kind of faith that God calls commendable. Our text highlights three characteristics of a commendable faith. A commendable faith, we'll see, is persistent, it is creative, and it is sacrificial. So as we begin to look at our text, we learn from Mark's parallel uh, passage in Mark chapter 2 that this um, account of this man, this paralytic, who was carried to Jesus by his four friends, that this takes place in Capernaum. Jesus had already been in Capernaum. Uh, he had been there some weeks earlier. He had healed many. He had cast out uh, demons from several people. That's where he also healed uh, Peter's mother-in-law. And so the town was excited to see Jesus return. And the whole town and all the surrounding area turned out to hear Jesus' teaching. And Jesus was, at this point, um, was in a house and he was teaching uh, teachers of the law and Pharisees had come from Jerusalem to hear his teaching. And the crowds had gathered everywhere around this house. They had filled every nook and cranny of the house. They had gathered out around the doors, around all the windows. Remember, they didn't have window panes at this point. Everyone had gathered to try to hear what Jesus was teaching. And so it was impossible to get into the house. And there were these four men, and they showed up with their friend who was a paralytic. He was lying on a mat. They believed that Jesus was able to heal their friend. But they couldn't get to Jesus because of the crowds. So we see the first characteristic of a commendable faith. They were persistent. They couldn't get to the house. That didn't stop them. Many of the homes of that day had uh, steps on the outside of the house so that you could get up to the roof. It was common in that day uh, for people to sleep up on the roof. That's why the Old Testament law said that you had to have a, a, a small wall called a parapet around, um, around your roof in order that no one would roll off uh, the roof in their sleep during the middle of the night. Anyway... Uh, these men went, I would presume, they went and found rope, and then they proceeded after climbing uh, up on the roof, taking their friend up on, um, on his mat. They proceeded to tear a hole in the roof. The roof, the, uh, the commentators tell us, was likely two foot thick. So it wasn't a small... Um, Small little thing to tear open this roof. Do you have a persistent faith? 
Or is your faith easily stopped? Or does, it, does your faith never get out of the starting block except on Sunday morning at 11 a.m.? Do you have a persistent faith that pushes forward, that presses forward even through hardship? By listening to popular Christian jargon, I'd guess that many um, Americans today who go to church uh, don't have a persistent faith. Because you hear this catchphrase all the time, has the Lord opened the door? And if the Lord hasn't opened the door, then I can't go forward. I can't do this or that. It must not be God's will. That's too passive. It's not an active, persistent faith. In Hebrew culture, if you wanted to underscore a point, then you would repeat it three times. And so Jesus, in teaching His disciples how to pray, He says, Ask, seek, knock, and the door will be opened to you. When Jesus gives us a threefold manner of praying, He doesn't want us to simply knock politely and gently and then walk away if the door doesn't open. Jesus is asking us, He is telling us, He's commanded us, Ask! Seek! Knock! And if God doesn't open the door, then maybe we'd better be prepared to tear a hole in the roof. Remember the persistent widow in Luke 18? You know, she just wore that judge out with her, with her continually coming to him. He said no once. He said no twice. And she just kept coming. And Jesus is saying, that is an example. That is what we are to do in prayer. We don't hear a yes right away. We are to continually keep coming to the Lord. Ask, seek, knock. Pound on the door if necessary. If you have a promise from God and you do not have the fulfillment of that promise, persist. Don't give up. Wear God out with your coming to Him. How many, let me ask you, how many missionaries would we have serving around the world? Or would we even have a missionary movement at all if we were um, to discern God's will by simply gingerly and politely knocking on the door to see if God opens the door? How many missionaries have had to pound on the door, have had to tear the door down, so to speak? It's not that God's unwilling. It's that God builds our faith through His hesitation. I had a a story about um, Hudson Taylor that occupied a full two and a half pages of my manuscript, and I I cut it out this morning. It will reappear at some point. But uh, the the, uh, gist of the story was um, Hudson Taylor, before he went to China, he persisted in his faith, 
And he went through some hard times when he could have taken many shortcuts. And then when he got to China and was going through a hard time, he wrote to his wife, he said, she was asking him uh, by letter, how are things going? He said, I have 25 cents and all the promises of God, and that's enough for me. And the work that he did in China in the 1800s built a foundation that became the house church that has persisted underneath the, uh, the, the hatred and outlawing of Christianity by the communists. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 2, Jesus told us that we are to persist with God for the advance advancement of God's kingdom with the same grit and the same tenacity as a warrior violently conquering his enemy. So Jesus said, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. How's your prayer life? Is it persistent? We must tenaciously persist with God in prayer as we step out in faith for the growth of God's kingdom. These four men would not be stopped by a two-foot roof. They would not be stopped by the crowds that kept them from taking their friend to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. We also must be creative in our faith. If we truly believe that Christ is the only hope of the world, we must, passionate, we must be passionately driven to creativity. The four men in our passage found a very imaginative way to present their paralyzed friend to Jesus. He tore a hole in the roof, and I'm assuming it doesn't say here that let him down by a rope. I don't know how else you'd get him down there. The world needs Jesus Christ. The Brandon community needs Jesus Christ. We must find a way to connect the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to people who need Him. We must do this while also being faithful to the gospel in our methods. We can't willy-nilly go out and cut corners uh, in our attempts to preach the gospel, we've got to rely on God. But God commends creativity. He commends imagination. But we also must stay within the boundaries of God's methods. We must use all the creativity God has given us combined with an unstoppable persistence for the, the spread of the gospel here in Brandon and around the world. People are dying. They are passing into eternity without ever hearing a clear presentation of the gospel. That's unthinkable. We shouldn't be able to sleep at night knowing that our friends, our neighbors that live all around us are passing into eternity with our Lord Jesus being gospel-centered is a costly life. 
Living by faith is not always sunshine and lollipops. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. That's what Jesus said, daily. Not just one day a week, daily. And follow me. Paul spoke of the loss he incurred um, in order to be gospel-centered. He says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. He had faith. He wasn't earning his faith. Faith is a free gift. But being gospel-centered, exercising our faith, being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and following Him will be costly. What did did Jesus tell the the couple of guys in Matthew chapter 8? You know, Lord, I'll follow you wherever. Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. Son of man has no place to lay his head. Following the Lord Jesus Christ is difficult. It's costly. These four friends of the paralytic had a sacrificial faith. They tore a hole in someone else's roof in order that their friend might meet Jesus. Presumably, before they started ripping a hole in someone's roof, they counted the cost and decided that they would pay for the repairs. But the point here is that they were willing to pay any price necessary to receive the goal of their faith. They believed Jesus could heal their friend. Nothing was going to stop them. And they even their own... Um, even their own well-being, even their own uh, ease of life. They were going to pay whatever price. They They were going to be sacrificial. Do you have a sacrificial faith? There are several ways to measure if you have a sacrificial faith. Obviously, being generous in your giving is a very legitimate exercise of your faith. Are you generous? How generous are you? Another way of measuring... Uh, the sacrificiality, uh, whether your faith is sacrificial, um, is being generous with your time. One of the best ways to help someone grow in their faith is to enter into a one-on-one discipleship with another person. Please let me know if you are available to disciple someone. I can easily connect you with other people in our congregation who'd love to have someone come alongside and help them grow in their walk with Christ. Are you willing to sacrifice some time to link your life up with another person and watch them grow in Christ? You know, I've only barely touched on this subject uh, of having an active, commendable faith It deserves so much more attention. So I urge you to take this sermon home with you and ask God to help you stretch your faith and your trust in Him. Think about how you can be more persistent, how you can be more creative, or how you can be more sacrificial in your faith. We in America are not used to living by faith. 
We live in a secular society with a lot of influence. George Mueller rebukes us when he says, Faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. You know, and then we tune into the media. Christians are increasingly being mocked and ridiculed. It's tempting to put our faith underneath a bushel. It's tempting to regulate our faith only to our confession of Christ on Sunday morning. Stepping out. And speaking out in faith is becoming harder and harder to do. But I want to, give, I want to remind you, you're not out in the gospel all by yourself. God the Holy Spirit is with you. Our Lord Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave and ascended into heaven in order that He might pour out His Spirit on the church when you are stepping out in faith, when you are seeking to exercise your faith, it is the faith that the Holy Spirit is working in you. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of Christ. Faith is the gift of God. It's the Holy Spirit at work in you. Trust in Him. Lean upon Him. He dwells in you and His whole work is to help you become more than overcomers through Christ our Lord. Step out in faith. Ask Him to help you do one thing for Him this week that requires stepping out in faith. Something that you wouldn't typically do. Some, uh, some obedience Proclaiming the gospel, taking a gospel track or a, gospel, or, or a church invitation and inviting someone to church. Pretty simple, but it's an act of faith that God the Holy Spirit has promised to help you do. Our God is living and active. He is not just the subject of our confession. Trust in Him. Lean upon Him. Put your faith on the stretch for Him. And our Lord Jesus commends such faith. Look at verse 20. And when He saw their faith, He recognized what? Their faith. When He saw their faith, He said, Man, your sins are forgiven. Jesus commends persistent, creative, sacrificial faith. Lean upon Him. Put your faith on the stretch for Him. He commends it. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we believe. Help our unbelief. Lord, I pray that you would put our faith on the stretch for you. Lord, we know in doing so that it is not uh, the easiest life. Otherwise, we'd all be doing it all the time. It's costly. And so, Father, help us to trust in our Lord Jesus. Help us to trust in your promises. Help us to trust in the Holy Spirit who lives inside us who has promised 
that we would do greater works. And so help us to step out in faith. I ask in Jesus' name, amen.